Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is up? Jeff Hartman here, editor behind the steelcurtain.com for another episode of the Steelers preview. We're not previewing a game, sadly, but we're previewing a whole lot of stuff. News and notes, we're talking as well as divisional playoff rounds coming up this Sunday. But most importantly, we're going to be previewing the Pittsburgh Steelers depth chart one position at a time to get you through the offseason. And where else do you start than the quarterback position? You might think, well, there's not much to preview there. I think there's more than you might think. And we're going to talk about that. And with me tonight, I have two co-hosts. Yes, three sometimes can be better than two. We'll see how this goes. First and foremost, Brian Anthony Davis, who's always with me on the show. Brian, how are you this fine evening? Fantastic. Should I start singing the Joe Rapazzo penned theme from Three's Company? Please don't. <laughs> what is that? Come on, <laughs> and, knock on my door. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't know who Joe Rapazzo is, he's the guy who wrote and sang Sesame Street. So there's a well, weird connection yeah, there. That, so. that is, that's very weird when you think about this. Too <laughs> Perfect entrance for Brian. <laughs> and so I also bring in gotta be me. Dave Schofield, also contributor to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Dave, how are you this evening? I'm ready for some football. Absolutely. It's not the same entrance as Brian. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Dave is the guy that's he's, a, he's our stats guy. He's the guy that's during the standard is a standard. Or our post-game show, Lance Williams or myself would say, I wonder what this stat is. And by, by the end of the show, we would have it. So if you're first time tuning into YouTube uh, and you're following our channel, now you might be able to put a face with a name. So let's get things started off with some news. So wait, Go ahead, real Brian. quick. Go ahead. Is he like Malibu Kelly Hayes? Malibu? What the, are you talking about? <laughs> Remember, Al Michaels used to always thank the spotter and stati statistician Malibu Kelly Hayes. <laughs> Only, so, only you would remember that, I swear. So we've got Malibu Dave Schofield. <laughs> Malibu Dave Schofield. We just got a nickname there, Dave. As right, long so. as I'm not Malibu Barbie, I'm fine. <laughs> well, give Brian some time. He'll, I'm sure he'll figure that out. Anyways, let's get started with the news because there was a lot of news today. I shouldn't say a lot of news. There was just some very important news. And that was that and this is all so prepared. This is also planned. If you follow the Steelers, and, and I have to because I run the website and you know when news, when news gets released at 4 p.m. any day of the week, it's considered a news dump. It is a team that is trying to get something out. But this was strange because this isn't a news dump, but it came out at news dump time on Thursday. And that was the Art Rooney II gave an exclusive interview. I'm assuming it was an exclusive interview. Now, typically the Team owner and president Art Rooney II will have a sit-down gathering with a select handful of local writers every year after the season. He has not done that yet, but he and Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he gave him an exclusive interview and had some very candid remarks about the upcoming negotiate. I wouldn't call it negotiations, the upcoming decision that has to be made on Antonio Brown. For those that have not checked it out, we covered it on our site, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You can check it out there, or you can go directly to the news source. We're not going to claim that we broke the story. That's at the PittsburghPostGazette.com. I do want to say that some of these remarks that were made, for instance, he said they're not going to release Antonio Brown. That is a definite, because they would get nothing in return. But other than that, nothing is off the table. Some very, very interesting comments. He even said that he found it difficult to envision a scenario or situation where Antonio Brown would be with the Steelers come summertime when the team reports to Latrobe for next year's 
training camp. This was if if this wasn't a direct message or shot off the bow to Antonio Brown and his people, I'm not sure what is. Brian, we'll go to you first. What were your thoughts when you saw, read, heard, whatever the case may be, about Art Rooney II's uh, comments regarding Antonio Brown? You know, I thought, thank goodness. Finally, we hear something. Finally, we hear Art Rooney come out and say, enough is enough. We are pissed. But this does not mean that that's a whole smokescreen to me, though. Because there's a few things that I read between the lines and I saw at the end. Um, something that jumped out at me at the very end of that was, we will leave the communications, we'll give him the opportunity to come to us, basically. That if he wants to talk, we'll listen to him and we'll give him, it sounded like they'll give him every opportunity. But basically, just laid it, laid it out, drew the line in the sand and said, enough is enough. You either come with a plan and a major apology and get ready to smooch some major booty because at this point, we're not taking your crap anymore. That's exactly what he said to him. And the message was received. I'm I'm not so sure what to make out of Antonio Brown's Instagram post with a picture of he and Art and uh, something about business booming decisions or something like that. But in when I saw that afterwards, I'm thinking, okay, the message has already been heard. So by him saying, I don't envision him being in there, that was basically just a message to AB saying, we're serious. We're not screwing around. We're going to go ahead and not, we're not going to throw out the stuff that we hope you come back. We're not going to throw out you know, well, I mean, we'll try to get on common ground. No, we're drawing the line and saying, you've screwed up. You better make amends or you're gone. And we'll trade you to Detroit. And what's interesting to me, and I read that this, the same thing, I kind of took something else out of that little bit that you referenced. And that was that I don't think Antonio Brown has called them yet. I don't think that he has reached out at all. The last time they talked to him, I believe, was still before that Week 17 game against the Bengals. Brian, did you read the same thing? Did you read into that the same way? Yeah, you know, I completely agree with that. Okay. Dave, what were your thoughts on the whole situation? I'm just glad that Brian brought up the Instagram and Twitter um, post that AB had. It said exactly, good business, hashtag booming. That's what it said. Um, Take it for what it's worth. But I feel the whole situation, it's its an Art Rooney II situation. That's what it's going to take for whatever to happen here. If there's going to be any amends to be made, it's going to be because he's stepping in and helping to take care of the situation. It's basically in his hands now when it comes to the organization. Yeah, the, the thing is, too, it is, again, this is such a strange scenario. You go back to Mike Tomlin's postgame postseason, I'm sorry, postseason press conference. And right in the middle of it, what was going on? Antonio Brown was watching it with James Harrison in the middle. He tweeted out in the middle of the press conference. And you're just thinking to yourself, man, this, this, what is going on with this guy? He's clearly watching the press conference and is intentionally sending out a social media blast on Instagram and Twitter at that time. He's doing the, he did the, essentially the same exact thing on Thursday, right when the news broke of Art Rooney's comments. This is odd beyond belief. And my question for Brian next is, we clearly the luster has 
gone away from Antonio Brown. I'm trying to think how to phrase this correctly. There's a lot of people that are putting comparisons between Brown when he first came into the league and Juju Smith-Schuster. I personally don't see that because I never, you never hear Juju talk about the young money crew and all that stuff, which was definitely pre- prevalent when Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown and Mike Wallace were all very young players. But Brian, do you see any similarities between Brown then and Juju now? Because let's be honest, talk about a 180 degree turn. Antonio Brown seems like he's constantly upset with something. It seems like he's never satisfied, which is okay in some areas, not okay in others. Brian, what are your thoughts on that? He was playful. He was fun. He was dancing even a couple of years ago, uh, just two years ago when he was getting fined for the dancing and no one was really that upset with him in Pittsburgh, but it's all seemed to, it all seemed to change when he beat up a Gatorade cooler just two years ago in uh, Jacksonville. And it seems like things started to go south then, and we saw a different AB. So yeah, he is a surly guy now. He has gone from a Juju clone to uh, a T.O. type of guy that is just very angry. Um, you know, look, he went after Ed Bouchette. He went after um, he went after other players. This is the. Uh, not the first time he has not shown up this year and gone AWOL. We've never seen that before. Um, for somebody that, that follows uh, in my industry outside of BTSC, I, uh, I follow mental health because that's kind of the field I'm related to. And uh, it's something with the mania. It, it seems like there's, there's a kind of problem here that, that he needs to, get under control and uh i almost feel without going way too far into it i feel like there's almost a uh, a bipolar depression type of thing going on that's i'm not the first one to uh go ahead and voice those words in fact i'm outright stealing it i just feel like this is a different antonio brown it's not a guy that it's it's not like the metamorphosis from young rookie ben roethlisberger wild and crazy party guy to family guy this is completely different. He's not all business. He's just all over the place. And that's the problem that we're having with Antonio Brown right now. And But bigger than us, the Steelers and the fans, it's his problem. And he really needs to get it for his own well-being under control. Yeah, Dave, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, Juju just doesn't seem to be so egocentric, I guess. He's all about social media. He is the millennial Maybe the he may be behind millennials. I'm not even sure what generation that is. He just shares everything. My gosh, if you follow him on Instagram, his story's 90% his dog, uh, Bougie with his Porsche. Of I love Bougie. Well, and Bougie <laughs> has a girlfriend, Porsche of Pittsburgh. I mean, it's hysterical, but it is just totally different. But Dave, do you see the the changes in Antonio Brown? And and do you fear for as a guy like Juju who seems to be so beloved by the fan base? You, you've got to worry about it a little bit just because you never really saw this coming out as the way the Steelers presented it um, of of AB's persona to everyone else. Uh, when you talk about it from a pure production standpoint on the field, I feel that Juju, you know, rookie season-wise was way ahead of what AB was from what I remember. AB was more on the line of like a James Washington. But that's why, but then he just kind of grew into that um, a, 
a little bit more slowly than Juju. Juju just popped on the scene right away, but he's just he's he's got that more fun loving attitude that he just he seems like an open book uh, for the most part that I don't feel that you ever got that way with AB. So I think it would really be really, really surprise Steelers fans to see Juju take a turn in this direction at any point. Okay. So let's do some predictions here. We're going to give you game predictions for the divisional round coming up towards the end of the show. Let's do some quick predictions here. Brian, how do you see this entire situation playing out? And what is the fate of Antonio Brown with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, this is a tough one. Part of me thinks, most of me, before this whole Art Rooney the second thing came out, he was he was done, completely gone. Now, even though this reads we're done with him, now I'm not so sure. But if I had to go ahead and put money down right now, I'm still saying that he's traded because I don't see him showing up in minicamp anyways, and I think they foresee that. And unless they feel that uh, they have a genuine apology or a genuine um, plan to go ahead and fix his behavior, I see him just being traded away and gone with the wind at this point. Dave, what about you? I think if I had to give a prediction that I would say after today, I would put it just above 50% that he is back next year. I see... Uh, this whole thing, especially with AB's response with just that simple post. Um, I have a feeling you're going to see that apology sooner than later. And it actually wouldn't surprise me because AB's pretty smart with how he uh, projects himself and, and you know, just um, what's the word I'm thinking about? Um, his image. His, his image, yes. Image. That he's going to, when this story starts to die down, is when you're going to see that apology. Yeah. He knows how to keep himself relevant. Is another way of putting it. Exactly. Uh, if for me, you know, uh I I think about this in, in multiple facets because I think that's how the Steelers have to approach it. Sure as a fan, we can be angry and we can say, "You know what? Just trade him. Just trade him away." But you got to understand that Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown and the Steelers will tolerate a lot. Not saying they'll tolerate everything. They'll tolerate a lot because a player is good, and there's no one better, in my opinion, than Antonio Brown. I think the Steelers find a way to patch things up, and Antonio Brown gets back in good graces with the Steelers. He's going to have a long way to go with the fan base, and I think that he plays next year because I don't think there's any way they would trade him and get anything close to proper compensation for him, and that's what they would need. That's the kicker here for me. If someone says we'll give you a first round pick and a third round pick in the upcoming draft for Antonio Brown, I'm saying thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to trade away a guaranteed, a proven vested veteran for a non-guaranteed draft pick that who knows, especially the way the Steelers pick in the first round, whether this person is going to pan out or not. So that's just my approach. I think he'll be back. I would say that, like Dave said, maybe a little over 50-50 now. You can read into this, these comments, what you will. We'll see how it pans out. They have until March to really make a decision. That's when roster bonuses kick in, stuff like that, the new league year. It'll be interesting. You're going to hear a lot of rumors. Ian Rappaport will probably be blurting at garbage out of his mouth like normal. And wrong. Yes, that's yeah, garbage, essentially. <laughs> so.
So yes, yeah, so take that with a grain of salt. So we don't want to spend too much time on Antonio Brown, but that's big news. So we want to talk about it. But real Go quick, ahead. Jeff. Go ahead. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant move by Art. I mean, just fantastic. I think we all can agree that uh, what he did today could really fix this situation. How does Dulac get that scoop? That's what I want to know. I, I, I just, you know, there's there's a lot of writers that are trusted in Pittsburgh, and and the Post Gazette probably have two of the most with Bouchette and Dulac. But gosh, to get that scoop, to have the Steelers, because you know the Steelers organization placed that call. And Jerry Dulac wasn't sitting outside the UPMC sports facility waiting for Art Rooney to come out and say, hey, you got a quote? Uh, if he did, I'd be stunned. Um, the, the Steelers went out and approached him, and they've done this before and on numerous occasions. They, they are very, very calculated with what they do, how they do it, who they trust, how they want it to come out, how they are portrayed. Right now, they're playing this game perfectly, like you said, because what is everyone doing now? Everyone's behind the Steelers everyone's behind the Steelers. There might be a few outliers and this. They did the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. Who do you think released the contract details for the offer they gave Le'Veon Bell? The Steelers. <laughs> yeah. The Steelers. Good business. It's good business. They know how and to keep maybe, the behind them. And maybe that's what Antonio Brown meant when uh, when he yeah, wrote the yeah, good yeah, business uh, boom. Yeah, I, I that's never, a good point. Never thought about that. Um, it's, you also have to remember that it couldn't be Bouchette, not after what happened with him good, and AB. That's another good it point. It couldn't be him. That just would have sent the wrong message to AB. Well, Bouchette wants him out of town so fast. It's insane because I, I think he, he even quote tweeted the article from uh, Jerry Dulac and said, goodbye, Antonio Brown. And so a lot of people pick up on that and they think that's what's going to happen. And I, honestly, if he is traded, I would not be shocked at all. My only hope is that they get some type of compensation in the form of a player along with draft picks. That's the only thing that I hope. I've so, got a question for you, Jeff. Sure. What's up? First overall pick for AB. Do you take it? First overall pick? Yes. Yes. Just that's it? Just the first overall yep. pick? So the Arizona Cardinals say, we'll give you the first overall pick for Antonio Brown. Oof. Yeah, I would dig that. I'd rather have their second round and Peterson, but that's just me. Well, if, if, if you're not getting it, I didn't know I had the option to counter uh, the deal here. Yeah, if, if it's Patrick Peterson and a late first or a second, yeah, I'd take that deal too because it's what the Steelers need. They're getting a proven commodity for a proven commodity. That's what I hope if the Steelers are going to trade him away. Like everyone's talking about the 49ers. I, don't, I mean, they have players, but they're not going to get rid of those players. Um, what's his, what's the tight end name? Kittle? Is that his last Kittle. name? Yeah. Ooh. Would be He's tremendous. the real deal. Would be but, tremendous, you know but they're not getting rid of him. Yeah, but I, I'll take, you know, Vance and Jesse James. I'll that's take the Vanimal on the outlaw. That's just because you just bought a Vance McDonald jersey. Well, no, that's not <laughs> it. I mean, I would really, a tight end for Antonio Brown? Probably not. I mean, wow. I mean, at this point, I, I don't think so. I mean, you really need to get defense at this point. And I think that's so Peterson to me is probably more of a viable candidate. Well, but let's not ignore the fact that without Antonio Brown, the offense is going to look very different, different. And it would be one thing if let's say Le'Veon Bell were still in the mix because he's that dynamic. It's not taking away from J Jalen Samuels or James Conner, but you're taking away two of the best playmakers in the AFC from an offense. And I know Ben's great. And I like the way that the direction the offense is headed in some ways, 
but boy, that would be tough sledding that, that this offense that came close to scoring 30 points a game would not come that close in my opinion, without those players. So it'll be I envision, I know we're dragging this out too long, but I envision a situation that if Brown is gone, that you will see not number 11 on Justin Hunter, but possibly number 11 on Larry Fitzgerald in Pittsburgh. Mm. But if I've not. heard that as well. I would really like it. It's, it's a lot of talk. I would love to say that Arizona would do one of those trades. I know Fitzgerald's contract's up, so he's either going to – he said in the past that he either wants to retire. He's, he's either going to retire as a Cardinal or play as a Cardinal. But that all – that could always change, but you would think that Arizona is not going to want to trade the number one overall pick for AB, or they're not going to want to trick trade Peterson, but because it's just not smart, but look at what they did with their head coach hire. So you never know what they're going to try to just shoot for. Well, let me say, if I were to get, get to give a comp for, if they were to somehow get Larry Fitzgerald, I would say that that comp would be very similar to when they picked up Jericho Cotri. Um, I don't think he'd be a player. He's not going to be, He's not going to get that much attention anymore from the defense. Um, but he's going to be a guy that, you know, can win in the red zone, has very good hands. It's exactly what Jericho Cotri did, I believe. What it, Cotri had double digit touchdowns the last year in Pittsburgh before he turned that into a monster contract with Carolina. And Steeler fans are like, wow, good for you, man. You just, you just cashed in on a really good situation. And he did. So. That'll be interesting. I mean, maybe we'll do on the next episode. We'll talk about if there hasn't been a trade yet on the next episode, we'll do a whole segment on potential trades that we would think would be legitimate and acceptable for number 84. But now let's switch gears. Let's move on. Dave, we're talking about passers today. We're going to be breaking down the quarterback depth chart. You've been doing a lot of digging in the statistical categories for passing this season. You said you had a couple that you were going to fire away that you, we thought would be interesting. So why don't you go ahead, hit us up there, Stat Geek? <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know which ones you actually find interesting or not. Um, I had shot you before the whole thing with, although Ben led the league in interceptions uh, with 16, it was the lowest since the strike shortened season in 1982. And if you take that one out of the mix, you'd have to go all the way back to 1946 for there to be that few interceptions that led the league. Um, but Ben led the league in attempts, completions, uh, passing yards, and interceptions. And uh, if you wanted to look at those, like, like for example, the, um, um, the completions, um, There, there's only been three other times where where there's been more com, more completions in a season than what Ben threw this year, and all three of them were by Drew Brees. So if you look at it from a personal standpoint, um, he he's number two. It's very similar to also with the passing yards. There's been eleven players now because there were there were two players this year, both um, Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes that eclipsed the 5,000 yard mark this year. So out of, there's been 11 times that that's happened, but it's only been seven different players because of how many times Drew Brees has done it. So, um, and of course we all know when that started, when did the 5,000 uh, yard club start there, Brian? Oh, wow. You're, you're catching me off guard. Oh, come um, on. You got to know this one. Uh, Who was the first one to do it? First, uh, wasn't it Marino? That was Marino, 1984. He started it. Then we had um, almost 
what was that? Almost 30 years until it happened again. So. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Is that what you got for us? Is there anything else? Oh, uh, what else do you want? Uh, like, let's say, for example, to put Ben's um, interceptions in perspective, he averaged one interception per game that he started. So uh, there were 17 other quarterbacks that averaged more interceptions than games that they started. If you want to cut the, make a cutoff at like they had to start at least four games, then there were eight other ones that had more interceptions than games started. Uh, the Steelers were actually tied for sixth, I think. Yes, yeah, sixth um, for interceptions. Um, because so many of those other teams that threw more interceptions were teams that did not have a quarterback start every game. Uh, in fact, there were only out of the uh, the 15 teams that that were in the top of uh, the interception numbers, only three of those teams had quarterbacks that started every game, and that was the Steelers, and the Colts, and the Broncos. They had the same Dave, quarterback start. Dave, what was Ben Roethlisberger's um, completion percentage? Completion. completion percentage. Okay. Uh, give me a second and I'll get that for you. Let, here, let, let me ask you this one real quick then. Uh, how many different quarterbacks do you think started a game in the NFL this past season? Either of you guys. Any idea? Hmm. Good. Brian, what do you think? How many different guys started? Uh, I would go with 34. No, it's more than that. I'm going to say 41. 53. Damn. <laughs> That's from the, now that that wasn't like a list or anything. I had to go in and, and look at every team and how many different ones that I added them up myself. So unless I hit a wrong button when I added it up, 53 is what it should be. When um, do you sleep? <laughs> uh, when my brain shuts down and if. Jeff sends me something and wants to know about it, then my brain doesn't <laughs> shut down, so I have to stay up and figure it out. But uh, the completion percentage was uh, 66.96. Okay. So 67%. Where did that rank amongst all quarterbacks, and where did that rank in his career? Uh, where? See, now you're going to make me try to Actually, try you know what? do that. I can help you with that. You got that? I, I believe <laughs> his highest was 68 and so this is pretty close to like second or third in his career. I was looking at those numbers today. I would actually say possibly second. Okay. I believe that. I don't think he's ever finished at 70. Um, I don't think so either. He's had a, well, no, no, it's never been his forte. I'd be curious though, to see where he ranked because uh, we know that he led the league in so many statistics this year. Completion percentage for me is a very important one. A second only to like third down conversions and red zone. I'm not asking you to have those stats right now. You can wait till the end of the show for that. <laughs> um, we can uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, as he works. I appreciate those stats, by the way. I love that stuff. Uh, people might think that that's boring. I'm I've always loved numbers. The numbers part of sports have always intrigued me in so many different ways. I'm a baseball guy and you can't be a baseball guy without loving numbers because it's so much so many numbers uh so let's go ahead uh we're talking quarterbacks here and like i said at the beginning of the show everyone probably when they potentially click on this link whether it's youtube podcast form doesn't matter it's like what are they going to talk about just ben roethlisberger well a we could fill up an hour show just talking about ben roethlisberger but b 
To me, the intrigue in this position is not Roethlisberger. It's who's behind him. Here's my question to start this thing off, because we know the depth chart is Roethlisberger 1. Right now, we know it's Joshua Dobbs 2, Mason Rudolph 3. And Brian, who's that schmuck they just signed? Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Brogan Roback. And here... His now, name is Brogan? Brogan? Brogan Roback. Yep. Very like nice said, kid. Like I said, the schmuck they just signed. If you would have watched Hard Knocks, you would have loved this guy. Um, just a fantastic kid. Hot girlfriend. I had to say it. Sorry. <laughs> but um, they were. she was featured a lot. Along, maybe that's why he got the screen time. Um, <laughs> but... Anyways, the uh, the thing about Brogan Roback is he's a third at best. He's uh, He would be a good guy to come in to be a third. I don't know really if they have room for a third-string QB at this point. But I thought, uh, I thought Josh Jobs almost lost his job in the Oakland game. And I think when you spend a, a fairly high pick in a third-rounder in Mason Rudolph – that uh, they're going to want him to be the number two next year and earn that spot. So as far as my opinion goes, I think Brogan's just there to be in camp. He's a camp arm. Yeah, he's a camp arm and uh, a very good one. Plus, if they do hard knocks in Pittsburgh, which will never happen, nope. he would have a job. Okay, so we know the depth chart. I, like I said, I think that the intrigue for me is between two and three. Because unlike in years past, it was always Roethlisberger, Landry Jones, and then who else would it be? So when they drafted Dobbs in 2017, it seemed pretty obvious. You had those three quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, Jones, Dobbs. Now last year, everyone's thinking, well, there goes Joshua Dobbs. They just drafted Mason Rudolph in the third. But no, they cut Landry Jones. Landry Jones is unemployed currently, last I checked. And so you now... You have this depth chart that is not set in stone. Everyone might think that Joshua Dobbs, because he was number two this year, will be number two next year. There is something about Mason Rudolph that is intriguing for me. And maybe it's because I haven't seen him in the NFL that much outside of the preseason, actually at all outside the preseason. So let's go to Dave. I wanted you to tell me what you think is going to play out the the backup spot behind Roethlisberger coming into next season. All right, you want the stats first? Of no, stats you are, me before stats or later. Stats are later. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I thought there was a chance that when they decided to to keep Dobbs over Jones, because I think we all realized that's what it came down to. It was never a question of whether or not it was going to be Rudolph. I thought there could have been at some point this season where they made the change when who was who was second and who was third. I thought it was possible, but not necessarily that it could happen. Uh, next year, I think it's really going to be a competition between the two. Um, and they're just going to basically leave it up for their for their play um, in camp and in the preseason. So who so, do you think who do you think wins out? Um it's tough to say. We haven't seen Rudolph. Yet. I don't know. Dobbs is he's he's such a good guy, and you just want to root for him so much. But Rudolph, I think, is really going to be the guy. He's going to be the one um, that if something happens where Ben goes down, I think that's who you're going to see coming in to play. It could even be a situation like like uh, some people thought this past year 
that um, Dobbs was more prepared to be the guy that dressed every game to be the backup. But if Ben would have got injured, say, week six, and there was going to be a long stretch, that they might have given Rudolph the shot. Um, that that could be it. it. It really depends on his progression from that year one to year two of just learning the NFL, you know, can he take the snaps under center? Can he do all those other things? I was actually there the last time he threw a pass in a game. I was at the fourth preseason game and I, I, I really liked what I saw. Now, granted, he was playing with a bunch of guys whose names people didn't know going against a bunch of guys whose names you didn't know. But, uh, I, I, I liked what, I liked what he did. And we'll, I just, He's just got to move forward. He's got to progress. I mean, I feel that Dobbs really progressed from one to two. If Rudolph progresses as much as Dobbs did, then I think he takes over. Rudolph has that moxie. First, I love that word. Second, it reminds me of Jonathan Moxon from Varsity Blues, which is one of my favorite sports movies of all time. Uh, But he has that edge, but he's, he's such a professional, man. When you listen to him in interviews, and I've said this before, it reminds me of listening to Sidney Crosby. Always cool, always calm, always professional, and he's got that chip to him. If well, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it the fourth preseason game where he got hit late after he scored a rushing touchdown, and he yes. went and he went after that guy, and I was like, yes. I, I like that, <laughs> I like it. It's the first time in my life, and I've said this on multiple occasions. It's the first time in my life that I've honestly been excited about the future at the quarterback position for the Steelers. But Brian, we swing it over to you now. What are your thoughts on two and three? How do you see it shaking out? Well, first of all, you're a Varsity Blues fan. I, I refuse. I refuse to wear a whipped cream bikini <laughs> to this show. I'm just telling you right now. But I mean, now Dave's going are whipped cream. Are, I'm in. Are <laughs> so, thanks. Thanks. You're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> you know, number two, I think it's got to be Rudolph. I, you know, I think the fans are going to expect it, or then we're going to hear the talking heads. We're going to hear the the uh, Yinzers yelling out bust already for that pick and uh, complaining about that pick. I know they don't do things based on um, talk and uh, what everybody else wants, but you know, you would think that you get a, uh, a guy with a third round pick, you do make a trade and pick that guy with that pick that you want to work him in as your future. The problem with being a number three QB and holding a clipboard, you're not getting much action at all in uh, weekly practices during the regular season. In fact, uh, you're not getting much action at all. Um, so I would think that they want to, would want him in that role after just uh, hanging out and observing for, for a year. And like I said earlier, I really think they uh, saw the future and did not think it was too bright in that Oakland game because that was a horrible performance by Josh Dobbs. And uh, he will, Rudolph will have every opportunity to wrest that number two spot away from him coming in uh, July and August. Okay. So we both, we all of us agree that it's going to be an open competition going into 2019. The next question, in my opinion, that comes up when you're talking about the Steelers quarterback situation, and this has to do with number seven. And that is how many years left. Let's let's ignore any potential contract extension that will happen. I say that with 100% confidence. They are going to give Roethlisberger an extension. How many more years logistically does he have left before they start to say, okay, we got to start looking ahead. 
we got to get Mason Rudolph. We got to get Joshua Dobbs acclimated because it's 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 time. Uh, Brian, what about you? What do you think? How many years does Big Ben have left? You know what? I think they're going to turn it around next season. So I think that's going to increase it to three. But if next season's a disaster, I'm going to say one and a half, maybe mm-hmm. two at the okay. tops. What about you, Dave? Um, if you would have asked me that three years ago, I'd have told you two. Um, but now with you got to love the the offensive line and how Ben is just not getting knocked around. So therefore he could play. I think he's going to get a three-year extension. I think he'll play for at least two of those three. Um, barring injury, you're just waiting for that one freak. Someone steps on the side of his foot. He rolls an ankle Someone rolls up on him after he's thrown a ball. I think that's what's going to take Ben out more than age. I think will be just one of those ridiculous wrong place, wrong time injuries that knocks him out for a little while. And it's just going to be so hard to come back and never quite be the same. It, you just see it's time and time again with so many players um, that th- I, that's what I think will eventually get to Ben. So you never know when that's going to be. That could be game one of next season. That could be three years from now. True. And uh, if I could mention something about the offensive line real quick, I think that this situation with Ben Roethlisberger is equally tied to the uh, how long Mike Munchak stays here. Because when Mike Munchak leaves, there will be a decline with that that offensive line. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, but those guys are getting longer in the tooth. And unless you start bringing new blood in, if Munchak leaves, those guys are older. Ben's going to have a shorter career here. No, you're right. You guys are both right. Injury is certainly something you have to weigh. And I think if he stays healthy, I look at the contracts of those players behind him. You know, Joshua Dobbs is entering his third year in the league. Mason Rudolph entering his second. I think in an ideal circumstance, you see what you have in Rudolph, especially while he's still under his rookie contract. Um, then again, I guess you could possibly benefit from him getting a new contract without playing often because you might be able to get him on the cheap. In other words, if he's, let's say Ben plays the duration of this extension, if it is three years, like Dave guessed, um, if that's four years, that's the end of his rookie contract. If the Steelers sign him to a three-year deal, very cheap, Roethlisberger retires and Mason Rudolph plays well. You basically have him on another rookie deal. It's a little bit inflated. I get that, but still it's, it's cheap. So I, I can see both sides of that. It'll be interesting to see how this pans out. We all agree. Roethlisberger's got a few years left. Offensive line is together. Mike Munchak seems to be coming back after the Broncos did not choose him to be the head coach. Good news for Pittsburgh. And we actually have some competition, this training camp. That's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to be anxious to see what Mason Rudolph has. And the funny thing is, Dave, you mentioned it. I've said it before on other shows about how Mason Rudolph comes from the Big 12, Oklahoma State. They they run a lot of shotgun. He was never under center there. I'll tell you what, I'd love to see the statistic. I'm not sure if you can even find this out, Dave, is how many, what is the percentage of offensive snaps Roethlisberger took under center this year? 
Not many. That would be interesting. And because I don't I don't even know how to find that one. I don't either. I don't you. either. And I'm I not expecting to go through either. the games play by play. <laughs> no. You don't have to do that. But I, a lot of people say, well, he broke his finger. BS. He prefers the shotgun. They prefer to run out of the shotgun now. So to me, Mason Rudolph, when he had all the ball security issues, a lot of that was because he was under center. This offense isn't based under center anymore. So that means it to in my opinion, he should get more acclimated quicker. Uh, you look at hey, he and Dobbs. Dobbs is more athletic. I'm not sure who has the better football IQ. We know that Dobbs is a really smart human being, but I think that Mason Rudolph has a, a an equal arm. He throws a good deep ball. Uh, he seems like a quarterback that is really in tune with his receivers. More of a timer out. I don't know. You look at their colleges: Big Twelve, SEC. Mason Rudolph had more success than Dobbs, but Dobbs played stiff, a stiffer competition in terms of defense. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. I like this type of stuff. It gives me something to write about. It gives us something to talk about, and therefore it achieves some level of success for me. So, Jeff, guys, go ahead. It's not a question of if, but when Rudolph is going to be the number two. Okay. It's, is it going to be for at the beginning of next season? Is it going to be during the next season, or is it going to be after? They did not, they did not trade up in the third round for him to st- to be a number three quarterback. Well, let me ask you this then, Dave. If you if if you and and I'm assuming Brian, you agree with that sentiment? Yep, I said it earlier. Okay, so let's say this training camp preseason comes around. Steelers are playing. Mason Rudolph looks good. Ben Roethlisberger's not playing, so they're getting a ton of reps. Joshua Dobbs doesn't look bad. You view Joshua Dobbs as trade bait? Go ahead, uh, one of you. I don't care. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it, it well, how much you like Rudolph? Roll with it. Roll, roll with Brogan at number three. Get, give Brogan. I just love that name, Brogan. It sounds made up. Um, so you have Brogan could be your third quarterback. You can pick up a number three off the exactly. street if you had honest, to. If you're at number three Bro- quarterback. Andrew Jones back. Who's going to care? That's intriguing. <laughs> if if you have Brogan as number three, if he's playing, your season's done anyways. So you could definitely, if that's the thing, if you're going to, you don't want to keep Joshua Dobbs if he's going to sit and not even dress. It made sense this year because Mason Rudolph was a rookie. He's getting acclimated. We all understand that. But if what you say is true, and that this isn't really an open competition, that it's really Mason Rudolph's going to be number two, then, in my opinion, they could trade Joshua Dobbs. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I agree with that. Um, I thought they were possibly shopping him last year. Some people felt that they were shopping Landry Jones last year, and they said, oh, we should keep Dobbs because we can get more for Jones. We got nothing for Jones, and he didn't even – he ended up on the Jaguars for, what, two or three weeks? Yeah. That was it. So maybe that just goes to show there's not a big market out there for our backup quarterbacks. Well, or maybe there's just not a market for Landry Jones because it's freaking Landry Jones. True. <laughs> hey, Jeff, real what? quick, um, if you go ahead and Google Brogan Roback, which I just did, <laughs> the very first thing that oh, you no. see is from is TMZ. No, it says from TMZ, Hard Knock Star, Brogan Roback says he will do whatever it takes to make the Steelers. And there's a, like a video of him like pointing just like this. <laughs> So I love this guy even more now. 
When I hear something like that, I think of uh, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. I'll do anything it takes. I'll whack somebody in the knee with a pipe. You know, whatever. Five year anniversary is coming up. God bless her. You know. Actually, I think it was last week. (laughs) (laughs) Only you. Only you you would know. Oh, I was the anniversary of Tanya Harding and Nancy. I was in love with both of them at the time. Let's just track this podcast so far. We, we've <laughs> had me singing the Three's Company theme song. You talking about Sesame Street. Dave doesn't know half the statistics he's supposed to know. And then Brian brings up Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan's anniversary. I hope you know your your wedding anniversary, because if you were to forget that and know all these other ones, that would make you look really bad. <laughs> uh, January 6th, 1994 was not my anniversary that was that was the date and uh i do i do know that i was married on april 14th i even well, know the i even know the anniversary from the starter marriage but i'm not going to bring that up yeah let's not do that okay i'm glad you know your numbers and you know your date so let's go to modern day football today's football that this weekend is probably my favorite <laughs> weekend of the year i wish the steelers were participating we know they're not it's divisional round weekend you still get your four games you get two days of football and then after this is when the depression starts to kick in for me because the afc and nfc championships are just sunday then you have to sit through the stupid pro bowl then you only have one game and then you're just in a dead space for oh my gosh it feels like an eternity now granted sites like behind the steel curtain.com don't go anywhere but my goodness, it just feels like forever until football's back. So, Brian, I know you have all the numbers there. We're going to talk about spreads. We're going to talk about straight up versus the spread. And we're going to go game by game. Let's start in chronological order. So we're going to go Saturday's first game, which is AFC, correct? 435. Indianapolis at Kansas City. And Kansas City is favored by four and a half. You know, you know, the Colts are a sexy pick right now, but come on, let's not fall into that trap. Kansas City and Pat Mahomes and this offense is ready. They're primed. I look for them to blow Indianapolis off the page. So you can give them all the points you want. It's going to be Kansas City. So you got them both straight up and a cover. Yeah. All right, Dave, what do you think? Oh, my goodness. Who do you trust? I mean, do you really trust Andy Reid in the playoffs. Um, I don't know how much I do, but I don't know that the Colts as good as they've played and what are, what are, what are they want? Like 10 out of their last 11. Um, like that, yeah. It's something, it's something crazy like that. They are definitely the hotter team than Kansas city right now. Um, it's just that that's that's a there's that's a really tough one. I could see Kansas City completely blowing them out, like Brian said, or I could see the Colts playing them really tough. So just for the fun of disagreeing with Brian, I'll I'll take the Colts. Okay, <clears throat> the Kansas City Chiefs actually tied the Steelers for most sacks this season. They do a great job rushing the passer. Indianapolis Colts do a great job protecting Andrew Luck. It's going to be, in my opinion, who wins that battle. Um, I don't think the Chiefs offense has been the same since they decided to part ways, rightfully so, with their running back, uh, Kareem Hunt. Oh, I'm going to take the Chiefs to win, but I'm going to take the Colts getting the points. I think it's going to be a close game. 
I think that the Indianapolis Colts are built, especially with Marlon Mack, who's really impressed me uh, this season. They're built to stay in the game. You're going to have to play this game the way a lot of teams used to play against Peyton Manning, the way people play against Tom Brady and now Drew Brees. Sustain drives, move in the chains, get Eric Ebron involved early and often. Um, T.Y. Hilton's going to have to have a good game because the, the, the Chiefs can strike so quickly with Tyreek Hill. Uh, Sammy Watkins is healthy, Travis Kelsey. But like I said, they haven't been the same without that running back element. So Brian says, take the Chiefs straight up and a cover. Dave, you say take the Colts both. They're getting points. You think they're going to pull off the upset, right? Um, Sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm, as, as you can tell, I'm really confident in that pick. Okay, I say take the Chiefs straight up, but take the Colts getting points because I think four and a half is that what you said, Brian? Yes, sir. Okay, I think that I, I like that hook too. Really like that hook. So let's go with the four and a half. There you have it, Brian. What's the next game? So we go to Los Angeles and another home playoff game for the Rams. They are minus seven against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Dallas the the Cowboys they played well last week against Seattle, but Seattle is not Los Angeles. The Rams really have that defense and I think they're primed and ready to go even though they could we could go the way of Kansas City like you mentioned Jeff that they didn't look the same over the last four weeks of the season but this is the playoffs they're healthy they're ready um, you could give away uh, I'm giving away all seven again and I'm taking the home team now I took a lot of away teams last week this week I'm sticking at home right now for at least Saturday all right, Dave. Oh, this one, this this is a year in the making because the Rams, they had a solid season last year, only to get bounced in that first game of the playoffs um, because more or less from the lack of experience. They've been there. They know what it feels like to lose that game. I know their quarterback has not been the same towards the end of the season, but I think this is going to come down to their defense. Um, that that is what that's going to what's going to be what wins them the game. Yes, the quarterback wasn't the same at the end of the season, but Todd Gurley was not playing. I assume Todd Gurley is playing on Saturday night. I have not heard that he is not. So yeah, he, I, I think it's a safe bet he'll play. Yes. So I am saying the Rams. They're getting they're they're getting seven. I'd I'd take them even if they were getting ten. Um, if nothing else, please just shut up, all the Cowboys fans. <laughs> there's certain teams you always want to root against and for me dallas has always falls into that category but seven points is a lot that's a lot for me in the playoffs seven points the rams haven't been as dominant as they were earlier in the season i do like the cowboys defense so i'm going to follow the same suit that i had for the first game i say take the rams straight up but take the Cowboys getting a touchdown. If it was seven and a half, I would be really, really happy with that. But I'll take—I'll leave it. No, there's no hook, so I'm going to take the seven. I'll take again, straight up. Take the home team with the spread. Take the Cowboys. All right, go to Sunday, Brian. Okay, I think the most interesting matchup of the weekend and the most even one is the Los Angeles Chargers going to New England at minus four and a half for New England. 
So the home team's getting four and a half. They are division winners. Um, for this guy here, I'm going to go ahead and go with Los Angeles. And the reason being is I want to go ahead and uh, mention an article we had run this week. I think it was Dan who wrote it, talking about how much, how envious he is of the uh, secondary of the Chargers. Yep. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm envious too. I think that is a fantastic group. I thought Melvin Ingram up front was just amazing last week. Uh, I think any problems that they had whatsoever was towards the end of that game was just garbage time. And the fact that uh, they really didn't know what Lamar Jackson was going to do, whether they were going to run it, where it was going to go. I think that defense is primed and ready for this game. And I think uh, Phillip Rivers is ready and he's ready for his uh, big moment because the window's closing soon in Los Angeles as well. I just don't think New England's the same. I Granted, I know this is a team that could go ahead and just put it all together Every time you count them out, but I think this is the time that they lose at home and Los Angeles will go to the AFC Championship game. All right, Dave. Okay. I was trying to look up a stat that I saw. Um, I can can go while you look. No, yeah. Go ahead, because I I wanted to quote this one. Okay, now... I don't know what the Chargers did to piss off the NFL, but boy, they're scheduling them on one o'clock starts across the country, back to back weeks. Um, not the best idea, most ideal situation. Yeah, they've done it. Yeah, they've won a lot of road games this year. Um, I want to say the last time a team has won more than nine road games or something, they've all gone on to win the Super Bowl. The Chargers. There did was that. my stat. That was it. You're welcome. Um, but I think they bucked that trend. The the Patriots are the Patriots. They've had a week extra to prepare. I know that this, this ship that they were in had some, some leaks. If there's a coach that's going to get them right, it's bill Belichick. As much as I can't stand him, as much as I can't stand that team, as much as I would love to see the Chargers go in there and upset that and upset them and send them home early. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the Chargers luck, because let's be honest, you go back to the Steelers game. They had some non-calls. They've had some non-calls throughout the season. A lot of stuff go their way. I don't think that happens on Sunday. I think they lose the game. I'm going to take the Patriots to win and to cover. So there you have it. So I, 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 that's what four and a half, Brian, is that what you said? Four and a half. Damn hook. Uh, still cover. Take them to cover. I think the Patriots come out guns a blazing, and the the Chargers are not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to answer that, in my opinion. Dave, go ahead. Sorry to steal your thunder. Oh no, that's fine. In case you're wondering, it was seven times the teams have have uh, have won uh, nine or more games away from their own stadium, and those teams that have won have gone on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the latest, meaning the longest to go, being the '72 Dolphins. Um, then the Chargers are the only team that have done that, I say, so far this year because you still have teams like the Colts that could have to play two more games on the road. Yeah. So that you brought up the 1 o'clock game. I thought it was bad enough that the, that the Chargers got screwed out of that where they were the 1 o'clock game last weekend, then they're the 1 o'clock game again this weekend. But the reason behind that is if you look at it um, – in Baltimore and in New England are the only Eastern time zone games in the two weekends. 
So that's why that's the one o'clock game on Sunday. And it just so happens to be the Chargers that have to go to both of them. Well, here's my um, question, Dave, not to interrupt you, but oh, no, it's fine. Why why is the AFC not getting some primetime love in the afternoon? Back to back weeks, I thought they used to always switch those. I thought that if the AFC was early one week, the NFC was early the next. It doesn't seem to be following that trend. Maybe I'm wrong. Look at where the games are played. Are you going to have a one o'clock Eastern time zone kickoff for a West Coast game? Well, but no, I'm talking about, well, the other game is the Saints game. That's true. That's well, I'm what... just saying, I'm just saying, I don't think there's any other game on either weekend. If you look at the locations that they could put at one o'clock, I'm not saying that that the AFC shouldn't have been in the primetime game either time. Yeah, well, um, I mean, uh, that that's a very good point. But if you look at it of, cause that's the first thing they're going to do is they're going to fill that, that one o'clock, that, that, that one o'clock time, time frame, And they're going to, their first option is going to be, is there any East coast team? And that's, and that's the only two East coast, East coast locations that they've had in the two weekends was uh, in Baltimore and now um, in new England. So someone's going to get screwed either way. It's just a shocking that it's the chargers in back-to-back weeks. Exactly. And I, and because they are, the NFL didn't know that it was going to be the chargers in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. If you think about it, they would probably assume that the higher, that the home teams are going to win the games, that it wouldn't be the chargers, that the chargers would have been going to Kansas city. So, because those times were already set before these right. games were played Absolutely. last weekend. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. I also saw a stat, that the that Philip Rivers all time is zero and seven at Foxborough. Yeah. Oh, against Tom Brady in general. Yeah, um, I was thinking it was more. Um, so, so that also includes in Los Angeles or San Diego. Yeah, I didn't was, see that for sure. It might have. Yeah, I think. But I mean, they've both been in the in the league quite some time, and there was a time when the Chargers were the were usually the right. one seed out of the West, and the yeah, and while the while the uh, Patriots would have been the one seed out of the East, and they would have matched up every year. But um, you could say the law of averages is that he's finally going to get one, or you could say it's just one of those things that they just can't find a way to do it. I do like that San Diego secondary. Um, I I also like them up front. I, I really like the pressure that they got on Baltimore last weekend. I think they really came out, and I think it's a shame that that game ended up being close because that was a dominating defensive performance, if you want to call it that, from the Chargers, which could have just as well been a complete shamble of an offense for Baltimore for three quarters of the game might have been what was more behind it. But either way you look at it, it was impressive. So I'm going to say the Patriots aren't the team they used to be. Um the Steelers got them this year. They just didn't look the same down the stretch. A lot of people think it's their year to get knocked off. Therefore, I'll probably have to pick them to win the game because I don't expect them to. So that means that's what the Patriots do. They win when you count them out. So I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to take the Patriots to win, but I'm going to take um, LA with the points. All right, there you go. Let's go to the last game, there, Brian. New Orleans Saints are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending champions, um, in the late game. So once again, Philly gets that late game, um, even though they're on the road. It's New Orleans minus eight. 
you know, this is a team that, you know, Sean Payton came in with $200,000 in cash, a Super Bowl ring, and said, you need three games to win. I think this team's fired up. I know I'm I'm taking a bunch of favorites. I'm uh, taking three out of the four favorites. I'm thinking New Orleans, you know, give all the points you want at this point. I mean, take the Saints, give away eight. They're still going to win. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. Please tell me that was a dog. Yeah, that's uh that is a dog that wasn't supposed to happen. I, but uh yeah, now now you'd see her. See, she's okay. making her debut. You got a wiener on her. Yeah. <laughs> First time I showed my wiener on the podcast. Sorry about that. Now we got to go to the uh oh Okay. <laughs> All right, Dave, who do you like in this game? Um, I wonder what the odds would be if you were going, if you went to uh, a sports betting place to say that the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl, because I would actually take that bet. I think it's going to be the Saints. I'm going to pick the Saints to win the game. I'm going to pick the Eagles to cover. Um, but if the Eagles somehow, wait, 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 the Eagles can't cover if they're getting. Well, meaning the Eagles with the points. I just said that the whole okay. way. All right. Okay. Points with the Eagles, um, Saints to win the game. It would not shock me to see Philadelphia do what they did last week and all last season and come out of here. If they win this game, then everyone else is in trouble, in my opinion. Um, that's why I think the winner of this game is, is going to be, in my opinion, the, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game to pick. Uh, you said eight, Brian? Eight points. Eight points. I will follow the trend that I said earlier in, in, in the predictions. I will take the Saints to win, but I will take the Eagles to cover. This is a prideful team. They're Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champions. They're not going to go off quietly into the night. Nick Foles, there's something about that guy. I'm not sure what it is, but Nick Foles' magic is Nick Foles' magic. If I eat one, it'll probably be this one. But, Brian, you said favorites. I took all four home teams in this one straight up. I think that that's going to be the way it plays out, in my opinion. We'll see how it goes. And so next week we have the AFC AFC and NFC Championship games on Sunday. It's going to be intriguing. There's going to be a lot of – a lot of. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm excited for it. So, guys, uh, anything to add before we call it an evening? Brian, I'll let you go first. You know what? Just – I'm looking forward to a great weekend of football. But one more Steeler thing that I wanted to add, and this is just really quick. James Saxon got robbed for getting well, fired from we don't Pittsburgh. Know, we don't know what's going so, on behind those doors. I'm just saying, you know, if he's getting blamed for being the 31st ranked team, that's a team that hardly ran down the stretch. And I can't see him being a scapegoat. If that's your one move outside of uh, Joey Porter, then that's that's kind of sad. I don't think you would fire him the same way you would fire Porter for having TJ Watt get 12 sacks this season as an outside linebacker. Um, I To me, there's something else going on with that. Uh, James Saxon had been with the team for five years, had very productive running backs. Uh, I, I'm going to chalk this up to there's something else th with this situation that we'll never know. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me. Clearly, it doesn't make sense to you either. But there are some things we're just not privy to, and I'll just chalk it up to that. It sucks. Okay. It sucks, but yeah, you yeah. I'm not. It's not saying you're wrong. 
I'm just saying that that might. I don't think he's a scapegoat. I think we all yelled. We went ahead to roll, and they gave us James Saxon, and I'm disappointed with that. Yeah, they gave us the wrong one. Keith Butler seems to be staying. Not <laughs> exactly. Mm. They had a productive meeting, according to Jeremy Fowler. <laughs> Thanks. I have Jeremy. plenty of productive meetings. Thanks, Jeremy. We appreciate that punch in the gut on the. You can, you can talk yourself up at an interview or a meeting, and you can sound great. But when it gets to uh, performance time, it doesn't matter what happened in that meeting. Yeah. Well, there you go. Dave, anything to say before we call it an evening? Sure. A couple things. One, I've got to clean up that stat. Ben Roethlisberger's uh, co- uh, completion percentage uh, this year was his third best. Okay. Um, because if you want to go where they rank all time. Now, I had to put some stipulations on it because of all these quarterbacks out here that have thrown one career pass. Right. And completed it. So I made it a minimum of 100 attempts. So if you're looking at quarterbacks that have thrown at least 100 passes in the NFL, uh, Ben Roethlisberger's completion percentage this season ranked 80th um, overall um, historically. Uh, He also ranked 73rd from his 2014 season where his completion percentage was 67.11 his best ranking out of any year is 47th and that was from 2015 when he had a completion percentage of 68.02 so that's that's the stats from his three best years of so completion what percentage. was his completion percentage this year again it was, um, what did I say? It was 66.9 66, okay. something. Basically 60, 66.96. Do you basically know the, 67. Do you know off the top of your head who led the NFL in completion percentages here? Oh, I had that earlier. Now I've moved. <laughs> I Jeez, didn't, and I looked at it. Um, <laughs> you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Because I had that. It was, it was a thing wanna, of beauty. Never going to want to come back on the show. No, yeah, I know, but I mean, I, I had—I was ready to answer that question. When when was that? Twenty minutes it ago. Be, it had to be Breeze. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, I'm going to say it's—I'm going to say it's Drew Breeze because I just looked at something. Uh, Drew Breeze's completion percentage this season is number one ever. It's mm. Breeze. It was seventy-four point four four. That that ranks number one all time of anyone who's thrown hundred passes. Not only that, the number two all time was also from this year. Who do you think it was? Mahomes. Nope. Here you go. Uh, they're playing each other this weekend. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Nicky Foles. Yeah, seventy-two point two three or seventy-two point three one. So, who? Where did Ben fall this season amongst uh, quarterbacks? Completion uh, percentage wise. Oh, uh, he was 12. Yes. I was going to say he was out of the top 10. That's not good. That's not good. I'm a completion <laughs> percentage guy. You can give me all the, I had so many completions, so many attempts, so many yards. I want to see that completion percentage on 70. That's ideal. Unless he's never players. had it. So, well, it, he's it, come close. He's a gunslinger. That's what he always says. I'd love you not to turn the ball over at the goal line, please, in a game-winning situation. That would be ideal. Um, I do have one other thing I'd like to throw in there since we were talking about coaches. Um, If anyone had had checked out an article that I posted this week, there's someone on the coaching staff that gets forgotten so many times, and that is um, Munchak's protege, Sean Serrett, that 
the question would be if Munchak leaves, does he get promoted by the Steelers? Does he follow Munchak to be his offensive line coach? Um, since it looks like Munchak is sticking around, um, I'm hoping that he sticks around for a while because eventually someone else is going to come and poach Sarrett off of the Steelers to be their O-line coach. So um, ideally it would be great if the Steelers could keep one of those two guys long-term. Uh, worst case scenario is they lose them both. Yeah. Speaking of coaching carousel, Brian, to, to end the show, there's only two openings left, right? Cincinnati and Miami are looking for coaches. <laughs> Sexy jobs. Oh, gosh. I don't even want that job. Oh, you, you so the question is, are the Jets basically looking to see who the Dolphins are hiring so they know who they're going to hire with their next time they need a new coach? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I think the Dolphins are trying to sweeten up a deal for Harbaugh. I, that, that, I, I've heard a lot of rumors that uh, their, co their owner, I'm not even sure what his name is, down in Miami, he's willing to throw the Ravens a lot for Harbaugh. And... That's interesting. That's interesting. You talk about trading coaches or trading picks for coaches. It's goes back to Gruden and Dungy in LA and all that, or Oakland at the time is craziness. So which one would you rather have though? No, I, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want Harbaugh to go. No, but uh, which, which job opening would you want? Cincy or Miami? I'd take Miami. Just give me the sunshine and and uh, I'll <laughs> figure it out. And Except for being that crappy jungle with uh, all those mouth breathers down there in Cincinnati just, you know, <laughs> just yelling at you and, uh, you know, having no clue what actual football is. Um, so for, for my uh, – that's a crappy organization. At least you have an owner that kind of cares in Miami. I – you know, this situation since Cincinnati, I it lends to me that this is the worst run organization in all sports. I mean, I might be off on that, but you well, know, I could nominate them. We are them. pirate fans, Brian. We do like the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. Let's not okay, and all of football. Bob then. Let's nutting. Do that. Bob nutting. Uh, Let's. I don't, uh, do not get me started on the Buckers. <laughs> I swear, I could do an hour podcast on my love hate relationship with that. Damn organization. <laughs> I guess I'll do it with you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a show for another day, though. So, all right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. We went a little long, but you know what? It's the offseason. Who cares? Who gives a crap? So enjoy the games this weekend. Make sure you check us out on YouTube by going to YouTube. Search BTSC Steelers Radio. Subscribe, like, comment. We appreciate all the feedback there. And also make sure you follow us on our podcast platforms. That's Art19, that's Stitch, Google Play, iTunes, as well as Spotify. And be sure to check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs, my work, as well as those other two guys that you just listened to for over an hour. So check those out, and we'll see you next week on another episode of the Steelers Preview. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.